I'm Marcus from Demonhead, and you are listening to Interview Under Five. All right, welcome back, everyone, to another brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. As usual, this is your KCAS host, Sonny, along with Marcus Larson. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. This is an important yet exciting time coming up in 2021 for you and the guys over at Demon Heads with the, with the, with the release of your fourth studio album, Visera. Comes out January 29th on Metal Blade Records. You know, 2021, it feels really great to say that number considering where we are at our lives right now. And I want to say, Marcus, you know, congratulations on all of the well-deserved recognition the album has been getting so far, especially with the single you put out. Before we get to all that, Marcus, I'm going to ask you a very important question to start things off. It's a very simple one, but I think it's a good one to ask considering where we are at our lives at this point. How are you, man? You know, how's life in Copenhagen, Denmark? Well, hi, and thanks for having me. Um... For me, personally, things are good. We're taking it very easy and working with music, we are lucky, I think, to be in a situation where uh, things are just very slow and not actually terrible. You know, being away from the stage a lot as of late, I know we're already, what, nine months, maybe even ten months removed from the live experience, but... How are you keeping up your vocals these days, Marcus? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for you routine-wise lately, if at all? Well, it, of course, we haven't been playing live this year at all. But actually, we weren't. We hadn't planned almost anything. So for us, it's not uh, a huge uh, disappointment. But I have to do my vocal exercises on my own, of course. And yeah. Luckily. It's a lot of time for rehearsing these days. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you've been at this since 2012, whether it's with Demon Head or Alucarda or Scavenger Bats, you know. I want to ask, you know, how was the touring life for you personally? Because you've done some extensive touring throughout your career, whether it's at, you know, Muscle Rock, Bang Your Head. You guys have also toured with Coven, Magna Carta Cartel, Ultra Silvum, Ill Worker. You know, the list goes on, but... Now we're kind of all just taking like an unseen step back. And does it make you have an appreciation, like a growing appreciation of the touring life now? Because, you know, you're, we're talking like different kinds of culture, different kinds of fans, even different kinds of food. There's just so many things about the touring life, what makes it what it is. What was your biggest takeaway from the touring? Well, it, it's definitely something you come to appreciate a lot when you when you don't get the change, right? Um, both with Demonhead and other bands, we've been touring, I don't know, maybe three months a year out of the last five years or so. And I, I love it. You get no sleep, barely any food and uh, waste all your energy, but it's, it's glorious. You know, you get to meet friendly people just sitting in the car, looking at the, another scenery. I think it's the ultimate expression of of living music in the sense that you don't have time to do anything else than music. Yeah. And it's just the little things like that, that you pointed out that you start to start to recall in your head, the longer and longer you're at home, you know, and, and you pointed it out, like all the little details and a very important topic on interview under fire is I've been asking the artists and it's been a popular topic of discussion and you've seen this, 
live streaming. A lot of the bands have been, you know, taking what they do on stage to the screen like we're doing right now. Uh, you know, Code Orange, one of the first bands to do it. And we've we've even had bands like Insomnium on the show. You know, Nilo was telling me about his experience on selling virtual tickets to the fans. And they would, you know, pre-record the show and then stream it for them. You know, August Burns Red did one last week. But I wanted to ask, Marcus, you know, all the experiences that you've taken in throughout your career, the different venues, the different countries, you know, the different artists that you've, you know, collaborated with. I want to ask you, you know, do you think the quarantine-induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from all these bands, do you think that's going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Like, do you still see bands doing something like this, even after all this is over? Well, business-wise, I don't know if it will continue to make sense, but I've always been a big fan of, you know, radio concerts. I was listening a lot since my teens to university radio from the U.S., where, you know, you had all these punk bands come in on tour and yeah. do a half-an-hour recorded show on the radio, KXP, uh, I, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah, I, I, it's KX, KEXP, right? That's K-E-X-P. the yeah. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty popular. Yeah. This uh, where they also did video, <clears throat> which I guess is quite close to the streaming. And I've discovered a lot of really nice artists being in their own world on that show. So I like it in that sense. But um, I think there's no real substitute for going to a concert, you know, as someone who appreciates of music. Um, have you thought about doing the live streaming? I know it's, it's. I mean, there's no writing or answer to this because I have our artists who say, oh, I'm not doing anything until all this is over. And then I've had some artists who say, yeah, I would love to do live streaming. It still allows me a way to engage with the fans. I don't know if that's something that crossed Demon Head's head, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. but, you know, uh, what do you think about the live streaming? Would you want to be engaged with something like that? You guys do have a new album coming out. I know I don't, no pressure or anything, but as far as that is concerned. Well, I think for us, it's a bit difficult because if we would do a show that was only a, a live streaming, we live in three different countries. So it's, it oh, would be okay, a bit okay. regulations and all, but, but in, you know, I'm up for it. We, I think we play how we play no matter to a certain degree of course but no matter how many people are there if there's none a thousand yeah but uh, it gives you a lot right so we're doing some release shows hopefully this january we book three of them and yeah that at least one of them will be filmed and televised but there's also an audience Okay, so that's definitely something to look forward to, and I, I can't wait to see it. You know, speaking of something to look forward to, let's talk about that fourth album. Viscera comes out January 29th, 2021 on Metal Blade Records. You know, I hear the name Diabolic Rock being thrown around a lot with Demon Head Sound. And when I heard this album, from Tooth and Nail to Arrows to the Loop Inquire to Black Torches to the single, The Triumphal Chariot of Antimony, oh my goodness gracious, you know, Acoustic instruments to flourishing Mellotron strings, brass instruments, and church organs. You know, do metal. This is as good as it gets. Demon Head does it right. It took me back to the sounds of like Pentagram, even Uncle Acid and the Dead Beats, even Witchcraft, you know? So I wanted to ask, you know, how much did things change from when you first started composing on Viscera to where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? There's, did nothing change in between? 
Was there already a specific sound you knew you wanted with this album? I think, <clears throat> well, there's two answers to that question. The one is about, <laughs> the, about the compositions. Uh, this album is different for us because all, all the previous albums, we've been jamming the songs together, you know, rehearsing four times a week, getting everything arranged in, in the rehearsal space as a collective. And this time it's been uh, Birk, our, one of our guitar players, who has written almost all the songs on acoustic guitar on a hilltop in, uh, in Ireland. Um, so he gave that to us as a gift, sort of, you know. I've written yeah. all these songs for us. I hope you like them. And he recorded quite good demos, you know, extensive demos with also the, the Mellotron roles and uh, his... He's a composer and his brain is a genius. Um, so in that sense, a lot of it was, was there from the beginning, but recording it, we went three weeks to a small cabin in the woods of Sweden, as we usually do. And of course, a lot happens there that you don't plan and you, know, you can't foresee that it will happen or what will happen because you, you're just working 12 hours a day, taking walks in the forests, uh, and then completely into the music. See, as, as you're, as you're talking about that, I'm getting chills. Cause just that, just that atmosphere, I think it kind of resonates. I mean, listen to what, what you just said, and then you can take it back to what I just said, the examples, and it kind of just, it matches with the theme that you guys have, you know, said in like rent, you know, stay in a cabin, just, away from everything which by the way you recorded this during the first months of 2020 is that correct yes yeah did you guys have any idea of covid around then like was that even a name that resonated in your head did you have any idea about this i remember reading an article on the guardian in january yeah there was prophesizing that covid might become a big problem for the world but you, you're just in the woods. We're like, ah, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, this is where we're supposed to be, right? But um, but we actually finished the whole album a couple of weeks before it, it got to Europe and people sort of realized what it would bring along. Yeah. Now, I want to throw two names at you, Marcus. I'm going to move forward with this. Uh, Flaming Rasmussen and Martin Coney Ekren Krona. Am I saying that na last name right? I think it's Ehren Krona. We could just call him. We just call him. We just call him Coney. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, so those those two guys, you know, you know, they helped you with this record. You know, Fleming produced it. Martin Coney, he mixed it. And Fleming, he's known for his work with Metallica, Morbid Angel, Rainbow, and it was at the legendary Sweet Silent Studios. And with Martin, he's known for his work with In Solitude, Tribulation, uh, Philheim. What was it like working with those guys? Was there a sense of comfortability for you, Marcus, in the studio, knowing that they were working on the album with you? Well, if, I, I think it's been a wonderful process uh, this time. On the three previous albums, we've been recording everything ourselves. We've always done that, um, partly because we're interested in, in sound tech and partly because <clears throat> we we would never have the budget to spend as many days in the studios, uh, studio as we do, uh, if we if we weren't you know not paying ourselves as we are now. So <laughs> we we've been doing that previously, 
Um, but this time we wanted to take the technical aspects away from from the first part, which is the basic critical recording of drums and bass and cue guitar mainly. And Fleming, we've been to his studio before to master the last record. He's a nice guy. He's very down to earth. His studio is just next door to our rehearsal space. Um, and um, so we went in there with her two days and he was just excellent. He knows the sound. He's worked with, you know, yeah, bands from the 70s. Yeah, like the, the bands I just mentioned, you know? Exactly. But he's, there's no, like, there's no star, star arrogance about him. And he actually, he was very much just the technician helping us getting the sound we wanted. And that felt really comfortable. Um, and Martin, who then mixed it, the last album we spent, I think, 40 days mixing it ourselves. Oh, wow. Uh, which was, you know, way too much. <laughs> yeah, it's over, that's over a month. Still sounded <clears throat> great, though. I mean, still sounded great to me, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think so, too, but it, it was hard, you know, sitting there, Birgen, uh, Mikkel, and me in our living room here in Copenhagen, 10 hours a day just mixing. So this time we wanted someone that we trusted to take care of that part. And uh, yeah. I think Martin really understood it, you know, as music, not as a genre uh, exercise. He's worked with, well, of course, the brilliant bands that you mentioned, but also lots of other types of music. So everything from, you know, folk to pop to classic. I think he has a broad understanding and a really good sense for detail. And for my listeners who don't know, Hellfire Ocean Void is what Marcus is talking about with that forty-day tracking that you guys put in with the with the the mixing, yeah. right? It took forty days to mix. Now, you know, between you know writing and then structuring the songs and the production process, like we just talked about, you know, Demon Head is known for you know dark fantasy, like the occult, like the themes that you guys have put in in your songs. So, I wanted to ask Marcus, to what level? Do you like to have a theme for your records and how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. <laughs> but I felt like with Demon Head, you guys really nailed that to the head. So I want to ask you about the theme aspect about it. Well, well, thank you. Uh, I'm happy you think we, we nailed it. Um, actually, I think there's never been a theme for any of the records. <clears throat> Even the, the new one is the closest one for, you know, a coherent narrative. But um, in the beginning, on the first album, I, I played a bit with ideas of the occult and concession, conceptions of that. But after that, I've mostly been interested in philosophy and uh, science fiction. Because I think it, it there are genres of of writing that really posed the question of the human condi condition. And um, essentially that's what interests me. Um, so <clears throat> the lyrics are written mostly for myself, but of course I have to try to, to do justice to the atmosphere and the songs. Do you feel like you have to uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this can be said for a lot of people who write their lyrics. I don't know. Do you feel like you have to tap into a different dimension? Like when getting into the mood of writing, like, okay, 
like for example like let's say okay i'm playing video games right now or something like that i'm, I'm reading a book i can't maybe i can write lyrics during then but no i can't okay marcus you're going into like just this house like in the middle of nowhere and now you're starting to write you know something <laughs> like that do you have do you have to get into that mood to write well in a sense yes it mostly happens very late at night but oh uh, that's a, that, that's the common theme <laughs> but it but it happens over a long period i'm slow at writing because i'm i'm a, a word perfectionist i like perfect words and perfect sentences so they will be endlessly reworked <clears throat> the lyrics are usually i think for this album it took me around half a year to write it all and okay. I've, been, I've been reading in the last since the last record hellfire ocean void i've been reading a lot about writing technique actually for fiction but but it's helped me a lot in looking at themes and trying to be more precise in getting ideas across do you see Visera as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life looking back <clears throat> in a, in in one sense yes it's a well the lyrics are semi personal hmm. they put of course my personal questions and thoughts and emotions in there but it's not written from my point of view as a person it takes different narrative <clears throat> positions so a, a couple of the songs are about uh, a comment or critique of totalitarianism mm. uh, while the other half is a sort of uh, uh, search within a search for meaning when you're faced with loss and meaninglessness. And I feel like those themes that you just pointed out, it really pertains to the time we're in, you know, with this entire year of 2020. I'm sure you've heard about the craziness of the election going on here in the <laughs> States, you know? I mean, we all know about that, but I feel like everything you're saying is it kind of just resonates the time we're in. And I like it's asking this. I like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I like asking that question because it's easy to look, to look back on a year like 2020 and say, okay, this was the pandemic album, you know? I mean, it's easy to look look back and say that, but I felt like, which by the way, a lot of great music came out this year. I mean, oh my goodness, the amount of uh, bands that put out new music, but I felt like 2020, you know, like writing music nowadays, releasing music nowadays, even your new album that's coming out next month, I feel like it allowed artists like yourselves a chance to grow, you know, in that aspect. You know, if anything, yeah, we're not doing what we love to do the most, which is play live. I know Demon Head is, the live experience is what makes you guys who you are, you know, and now you, it, I, I don't know if it crosses your head where an album doesn't feel complete until you get to present it to the fans. Do you feel like that? In, in a sense, we, well, if, I think maybe it's, it's good to remember we did the whole album before the pandemic. <clears throat> yeah, so that's actually, true. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it was the pre-pandemic world, maybe, if it's a snapshot of, of anything. But um, I think it resonated a lot with things that are in the Times for us personally and, and maybe also the world. Um, we are writing the next album now, slowly beginning that, because we never really stand still. But I really look forward to present it, play the songs, and, and try to see how they look live because we've never played any of these songs 
Yeah, very true. And and that goes back to my question when I said, hey, live streaming? Oh, maybe. We'll see. Let's see what goes on. I know you guys are in different countries, but that's a whole different conversation if we're to talk about that. You know, whether it's with Demon Head or Alucard or Scavenger Batch, like I mentioned earlier, you know, from the different experiences, Marcus, and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in that we discussed about already, I want to ask now, you know, this is your fourth album, you know, and you've been at this for a while. Have your aspirations as a person or even a band, have they changed or evolved since when you first started playing music in the industry? Do you see things differently now? <clears throat> That's a very, very good question. Hard to answer. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> Put I you on the spot there. <laughs> no, I, I think to uh, mostly it's only recently that we're beginning, uh, I'm beginning to think of my band Demonhead as a band in that's in any kind of industry. We've always, me and my bands, I mean, I've always been playing in bands where it's for the love, it's in the DIY underground. No one is getting paid. It's not a matter of of, <clears throat> of the fame or the production. It's a matter of doing it and doing it because you can't stop it. And I think at some point Demonhead began being a thing where, okay, now we we have something and we're doing something that is growing and now we have to treat it uh, also that side of things, you know, the the business part. But actually we try to, to have as little <laughs> as possible to do with that and uh, work with the music. And <clears throat> the dream for me is, of course, getting out to play and traveling with this band, the opportunities, but the dream for me is that we can just keep on writing, recording, and playing for as, as long as anyone uh, thinks we have any kind of relevance. Yeah, and come to Dallas, that's definitely a goal. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just one of a million people saying it, but you guys need to come to Dallas. Well, I mean, I'll take good care of you. You guys come down here, you guys will have a good reception. But, you know, we've covered everything from head to toe you know, Marcus, but I want to ask now, I want to, I want to finish things off on an interesting note here. If, if you wanted to, and I like, I haven't asked this question lately. I've, I've done so many of these interviews. I haven't asked this question lately, but I'm going to ask you, because I feel like you have a good answer to this. If it was up to you and it is up to you, if you had an artist that you would like to collaborate with personally and make music with, who would that be? It doesn't have to be a metal artist, any artist. Who was the first person that pops in your mind? Well, that's a very good question. There's, uh, I'm thinking of Jabo as one this singer that I, and artist, musician, that I personally think I could learn a great deal from working with. Um, also, uh, another artist that I admire a lot is Anna von Hausfuhl, who's a- Yes, she, she's amazing. Exactly, you know, organ organ player with the yeah, most amazing voice and technical capabilities, so you know, it's, yeah. but, um, Il Wicca is a band that we tour with, of, of some very good friends, um, right. that live in Gothenburg, which is not that far away. That band is completely composed of people who've played, you know, folk music for I think all of their lives and they are so inspiring to be with any night they'll be playing 
their instruments doing for uh, what's it called register vocal harmonies and songs they're making up on the spot uh, you know doing something with them one day i think would be excellent well i'll tell you this this is going to be on every podcast stream out there so if they're hearing this i mean <laughs> put the shout out there they're going to make, make that collaboration now you're talking about anna now as as you as you mentioned her name i'm thinking about your music and her music and putting it together man that would be think about it that would be some kind of collaboration now that's a really i didn't even think about that until you even brought her name up and uh, we're gonna actually gonna try to get her on the show sometime in 2021. So I'm gonna mention that. <laughs> so we're gonna help each other out here. <laughs> so Marcus, oh, you're getting, you know, you're getting <laughs> putting you on the spot. Okay, so I, I wasn't gonna ask this, but now that you mentioned it, you know, considering like where your influences came from, if you weren't a musician, what would you be doing right now? If I wasn't a musician. I would, I would probably. Uh, be trying to, uh, to educate myself as a gardener. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I like asking that question too because you never know like where the influences come from. So I, know. I love plants. Yeah, see, and uh, I've had people who say, you know, some amazing people I've spoken to on the show be like, oh, I can't imagine myself not being involved in music, you know? But it's it's really unique that people have a different take on like, outside of music, what derives, you know, can also influence them that feeds your creativity within the band or for you feeds your creativity within Demon Head. So, I mean, that was great. So, <laughs> but Marcus, uh, this has been such a pleasure. Um, you know, hopefully we get to do this again in person. You know, when you come to Dallas, we can schedule another one of these interviews. Like we, we could be talk about this time. Like, hey, remember when we Skyped? <laughs> And Skype is like it's, it's Skype is gonna feel like the Stone Age when we actually meet up again. But do you have any like last shout outs? Anything you want to plug in? Anything you want to share to the fans who are listening about Demon Head going forward? Well, just that we are we are very happy for the people who take the time to listen to to the their album and our music, and we hope that people welcome it. Yeah, and having said that. You know, for my listeners who are listening to this episode, you know, if you can buy the merch, buy the records, I just have a stack of records in the corner of my room that I still buy, you know, it helps out the bands, it helps out artists like yourselves to do what you want to do. And, you know, everyone who's listening, Viscera comes out January 29th on Metal Blade Records. You can listen to this podcast on any podcast streams and check it out on interviewonfire.com. Marcus from Demon Head, you stay safe out there, man. And then, uh, I'll meet you again sometime in the near future, man. You too. I definitely hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard please subscribe and share our channel and please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously and also if you guys have any questions or comments you can find us at interview under fire at facebook or at instagram or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com that's s-c-h-w-a-g at interviewunderfire.com or resablade that's r-e-z-a-b-l-a-d-e at interview under fire.